Chris Westfall alongside Neil Waldeck, Kelly Gamble, and Aaron Host as we approach bowl season. And of course, our lead story for today. Today is the beginning of the early signing period for college football. So let's just break this down a little bit for everyone out there that does not know this process. Three years ago, back in 2017, this is the third year of the early signing period. And what this is, this gives high school seniors and junior college players a chance to sign early and let everybody know, teams, fans, everybody, that they are completely committed to a team signing their letter of intent. Now, players can sign today. And they can go all the way through Friday. That is when the early signing period ends. But 80% of your players will sign today. And then recruiting season will wrap up the first Wednesday in February. And that is when we will have a full look at next year's Mountaineer, the class of 2020, recruiting class of 2020. And guys, I got to tell you, about halfway through this recruiting process, I was getting a little worried. Uh, I, I didn't see a lot of movement. There wasn't a lot of things shaking. And in this last couple weeks, um, the unbelievable, the unreal has happened. We're going to throw out a bunch of numbers, but uh, let's just start. Let's get right into this, guys. Uh, the new Mountaineers, as of right now, West Virginia University has 15 signed letters of intent. That is at time of recording. 15 players have signed their early letter of intents to be on the Mountaineer football team. There are still two verbal commitments that have not signed. We will see if they sign within the next today, tonight, or if they wait uh, later in the week, or they could stretch it out all the way to February. So let's go ahead. The class of 2020 started bright and early this morning. Aaron Host said his email started blowing up at 7 o'clock. That is untrue, Aaron Host. 712 is when 712. the first email. 712, 719, 724, See, 740. It, it wasn't 7 o'clock, though. Uh, it, it felt like it. You know, out of all the technology that we have in this world, I don't know if a lot of people know this. Do you know the way that they send in their letter of intents to the universities? Fax machine. What? Right over the daggone fax what? machine. All, all the te all the technology that we have in the world. You got Neil Brown and staff sitting around a fax machine at 7 a.m. and they didn't have to wait long because at 7:01 you heard the. Is that the noise it makes? Yeah, I mean, something like that. Maybe I should do Morse code next time or something More like that. Smoke signals. <laughs> yeah, I do that. Like, I'm <laughs> hey, you could have seen a smoke signal from where the first signee came from, because it was right here in the state of West Virginia, right down the road, Fairmont, West Virginia. First guy to make it official this morning, Zach Frazier, out of Fairmont Senior High School. He signed at 7:01. Lead recruiter on this is Matt Moore. Zach is a three-star prospect listed as the second-best high school player in the state of West Virginia. Listed as an offensive lineman, there has been some word that they might try to trans transition him to defensive line, but in Neil Brown's press conference earlier today saying that Zach Frazier offensive line, most likely a center 
at this point. Um, so right off the bat, guys, the second best player in the state. We know that Neil Brown said it was a main deal for him to secure West Virginia. And this year, and I'm not trying to bash anybody in the state of West Virginia, but there was not a ton of talent. So we got the second best. We'll see if they got the first here in a little bit. Thoughts on Zach Frazier signing over there in Studio B? Uh, Coach Brown, quote, says that uh, Frazier will be an integral part or of our offensive line for years to come. He's tough, physical, athletic, smart, everything you look for in a center. So uh, Coach Brown's already calling him a center right now, and so it yeah. looks as though Coach Brown's looking at him to be a, a center for the Mountaineers, and, it, and it, he's giving him high praise here. Neil, Neil Waldeck, I'll go to you, and it's always, getting the in-state player. Yeah, and that's always a good thing to see uh, in-state players being recruited uh, by uh, Coach Neil Brown. This is a, a good uh, prospect for us in the future. You know, I don't know if he'll play immediately, but he is our future for this uh, WVU football program. Not immediately, but guys, here's the thing. And when we're looking at rebuilding this offensive line, not only do you guys that need to have guys that need to play immediately, you got to have these guys that you got to develop too. Correct. So they're here in two to three years. Guys, let's move through the list. It didn't take much longer. 701 to 712 this morning. Guys, I want you to think back. The first day. Neil Brown took this job at West Virginia. He offered scholarships to two players, a quarterback that he could not get from his hometown in Kentucky and a wide receiver by the name of Reese Smith right from Neil Brown's hometown. He signed this morning 7-12 a.m. three-star prospect wide receiver out of Boyle County, Kentucky. He is a four-year starter at his high school, led them to a state championship and so much more. So we get another receiver target in Reese Smith. Coming down the list here, uh, guys, Charles Finley, tight end. He signed at 719 out of New Jersey. Now, Greg Schiano did take a shot at Charles Finley earlier in the week. Could not deter him from coming to West Virginia, so we get a tight end prospect. And, guys, that is a position, Neil, you and I talked just the other day. Uh, it is a position of worry now that Giovanni Haskins has entered the transfer portal. So you get one here early in this recruiting class, and is depth the tight end a little bit of a concern heading into next season? I, I think it is, Chris. And then here's the other thing. I don't think in Neil Brown's uh, offensive system – he throws to the tight end a lot, but he does use his tight end for blocking schemes. And so I think at that depth at tight end to help that offensive line that we said is is kind of weak, you need good blocking from your tight end. So I think Finley will give that depth at that position. 7.40 a.m. this morning, Jordan White, an offensive lineman that was flipped from Maryland. This week, he was an early verbal commitment to Maryland. Jamil Adai and Matt Moore, the lead recruiters that were able to drag him away from Maryland and bring him to Morgantown. <laughs> Guys, big dude. Big dude. He, he's over 300 pounds. Uh, just looks like a big offensive lineman. <laughs> I mean, and again, don't know if he'll get immediate playing time, but it's one of those guys that you need to recruit the offensive line because that's where we've struggled so much. Uh, I like the one thing about this uh, offensive uh, uh, guard uh, that they list, that he finishes his blocks, and that's very important for an offensive lineman. So that's going to give uh, – you know, coaches uh, a, a lot to look at when you're looking at offensive linemen. When you see that he finishes blocks, because that's what you need. A lot of offensive linemen don't do that. Also offered scholarships from Georgia Tech, LSU, Ole Miss, Syracuse, and Wisconsin. All schools that are very run-heavy at times. So should be able to help our run game, Kelly Gamble. Uh, Coach Brown says that his senior video is very, very impressive, and he plays with great pad level. As Neil said, he's a, he's a finisher. So uh, look for him in the future to have some of those pancakes that we talk about from offensive linemen. 
Can't get any worse on that offensive line. We, we that To me, guys, that is the number one need in this recruiting process is offensive line. Aaron, host any thoughts on any of those first few guys that we've mentioned? Well, basically what I'm noticing is the amount of offensive line. I think Neil Brown noticed last year that that's something going into next season that he's definitely going to need to shore up is the offensive line. That was our downfall to last season. I think if we would have had a run game last season – with a good offensive line, I think we would have won a couple more of those games and we could very well be in the bowl season right now. But regardless of that, I mean, Jordan White, I mean, like you said, 6'3", six, 300 pounds. I mean, that's just a humongous human being. When I talked to Matt Moore back when they had the coaches, um, kind of the meet and greet with all the coaches, that's one thing Matt Moore said. He wants the big dudes, but he also wants the guys that have the huge wingspan to be able to make those blocks. And I think as big as this guy is, he's definitely going to be a valuable asset on the offensive line in years to come. 7.50 a.m. We get our first defensive commit, Taurus Simmons out of Savannah, Georgia. Listed as either a defensive end or linebacker. He played outside linebacker and defensive end in high school. Look for him to fill that kind of bandit position, the hybrid position, to get more of a pass rush um, going forward. Sorry, my, my computer needs time to catch up. Another guy that signed... Very late. Gave his verbal commitment very late. He signs at 8 o'clock. Getting back into South Florida, guys. Daryl Porter Jr., cornerback out of Fort Lauderdale American Heritage High School. Uh, Lead recruiter, again, Travis Trickett's name. You see pop up a good bit on this this list as lead recruiter. Him, Jamal Adai, the D-backs coach, going down to South Florida and getting a highly touted cornerback out of that group the highest star rating player uh, that has signed so far is David Vincent O'Calley he's listed as an athlete look for him to be a cornerback out of Potomac Maryland the Bullis school signed at 810 is that what everybody else is seeing on him is cornerback I know he's listed as an athlete. That's what the press. Uh, that's what the press release has as a cornerback. Coach Brown's also talking about him as his return skills. Return so skills. Looking, looking at him on special teams as well. He comes in as the highest star recruit, four star, at a ninety percent average. So that is the highest star rating out of this group. Another cornerback. This guy, a junior college guy, Jackie Matthews, cornerback, signed at eight twenty. AM look for him to be able to provide immediate depth um, in the upcoming season. He's one of those junior college guys, kind of a plug and play type of guy. And then we're moving right back into the offensive line. Chris Mayo, who is very close to a four-star prospect out of New Jersey, the Petty School. Another one of those big six foot, three hundred pound offensive linemen. Uh, and guys with his body. Uh, Aaron, what do you have weight and size on Chris Mayo? He's six foot six, three hundred and ten pounds. This guy's a big dude. Six six three ten. If he's got the talent, guys, that, that could be a guy that you see get immediate playing time. You know, you look at Zach Frazier. I don't know size wise if Zach can go immediately. Here's a guy with a body that could go immediately. Kelly, they got him listed here as a four star. Yeah, and some recruiting sites will. Uh, some recruiting sites had him as a four-star. Some have him as a three-star. He's very close, right on that, um, right on the bubble of four-star and three-star. Four-star by ESPN. Four, ESPN has him at four-star. Okay, mm-hmm. guys, the one um, a lot of people have been excited about is Garrett Green, and he's another one. Some sites have him listed as a four-star. Some have him listed as a three-star quarterback out of Tallahassee, Florida. Florida State did make a late move on him this week. Guys, Garrett Green verbally committed a long, long time ago. He verbally committed on March the 7th, and he has stuck with us through this, and he's been very vocal about it on social media. Um, Very confident kid, and it's going to be very interesting. I've watched a lot of video on Garrett Green. Could be the quarterback that we are looking for to fit this Neil Brown system. Well, I think uh, Neil Brown is confident in this uh, young man, and that's why he's been on him from the very beginning. 
I think Neil Brown knows that he's going to fit the system. And so I think, uh, you know, he's going to come in. They may redshirt him. That's questionable what they'll do. But uh, he's high on uh, Neil Brown's list. And uh, if he can start, I wouldn't be a bit surprised that they would start him. But if he, if uh, not, then they got uh, Daggy there. Coach Brown says, quote, competitor, exclamation point. Yeah. He has great energy, leadership skills. He's a dual threat with a quick release and great arm talent. From from the videos I've seen, it's a big arm. <laughs> it really is a big arm. From, from the way he can run to the way he can throw, uh, he possibly, and I know you, you hear so many times that, oh, this could be the next guy. I, I have a strong belief he could be the next if, big guy. If there's a downside from people who's going to leave him at a three starts because he's six foot. Yes. Yeah. And, and he even said on social media the other day when he said that Florida State had reached back out to try to get him that he stuck with West Virginia because the fact they were on him early and he feels that if he was three inches taller, he would start anywhere in the country. I would believe that. I like that confidence. Yeah, he's a very confident, outspoken kid, and you need that at the quarterback position. I agree. Rather than his size, he reminds me of a kid from Clemson. The starting quarterback. The starting quarterback. Okay. <laughs> Is he that good looking? Mr. Lawrence. Yeah, Lawrence? He's a good looking kid. He's good looking kid. Too. All right. <laughs> hey, you got to have great hair to be a decent he, he quarterback. He has great hair. You got to have got, great you gotta hair. You got to look at the photo. He has, he has great Greer, hair. Will Greer, promise. <laughs> Will, Will Greer. Clint Trickett, man. Clint <laughs> oh, Trickett had just it. lovely locks. Hey, let's move on. Linnell Carr, our next signing. He signed at 9 a.m. this morning. He is an outside linebacker, three star, recruited by Vic Koning and Jordan Leslie, and we come down to the highest-rated player in the state of West Virginia. Signed at 9.15 this morning, defensive end, Sean Martin out of Bluefield. Back to it, guys. Keeping the two best players in the state of West Virginia. There is still one more out there at running back down there at Bluefield that I would love to see us get. But right now, as it stands, we do have the top two players in the state of West Virginia coming to West Virginia University. I like a six foot six defensive end. I mean, <laughs> He's a big kid, big size for that position. And from what I understand, having that kind of size still has a bunch of speed as six, well. Six two sixty. Yeah. Big kid. Big kid. Fits the frame. You put a little more weight on him and and he is going to be good to go. And the one thing that Neil Brown likes about him is he's coachable. And uh, you get some kind of uh, some guys come in. They've got an attitude. They think they've got all the tools. They don't need to be coached. But this guy is coachable. Neil Brown is going to be happy with this kind of player in state. Let's bring the beef, guys, shall we? A guy that can help immediately on the offensive line. Signed this morning, nine thirty. A JUCO player out of New York College, ASA New York Community College. Tariq Stewart, who's got the size on this kid? He's huge. Six, six, 330. six foot five, yeah. three hundred and twenty five pounds. Yes, well, bring the beef. Ones, bring the beef. It just depends. What size? Who, who is? Did they weigh him before he ate or after he ate? <laughs> well, that's true. Three twenty five, three thirty. Either way, they can lose five pounds quickly or gain it quickly. The one that was the surprise of the day came at nine forty five a.m. A kid that was not verbally committed to West Virginia. He was actually verbally committed to Syracuse University, originally from Ontario, Canada. He was flipped to West Virginia. We have a letter of intent on defensive lineman Akeem Mezdwar from the Florida Academy International, Clearwater, Florida, originally from Ontario, Canada. Uh, Again, guys, good speed, good size. Uh, somebody that probably could jump in and play right away at defensive end. Coach Brown calls him a game changer. And that is big. And keeping the foreign recruits going, we stretched all the way to Amsterdam to find. Who wants to give this guy's name a crap? I want to get Aaron Host. Go for it. Jairo Favreau. We'll we'll go with that. Favreau. Cornerback out of the UK Academy, hails from the Amsterdam, Netherlands area. Uh, guys, you got to get creative sometimes when you are recruiting in the state of West Virginia. And the last recruit that has came in today, we get another wide receiver out of Saginaw, Michigan, Arthur Hills High School, Devell Washington. 
signs at 120, a kid that has verbally committed a long time. Guys, I want to take a quick break. We've used up all of our time. I'm going to come back, get final thoughts on this right after the break. You're listening to The Blitz on 96.7 K-Country. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wednesday night. This is the Blitz simulcast on the Sports Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, Chris Westfall, alongside Neil Waldeck, Kelly Gamble, and Aaron Ho. Still to come tonight, we are going to start picking the bowl game. Stay tuned for that. But right now, we are talking early signing period for college football and the West Virginia University Mountaineer football class of 2020. Guys, real quick before I get your opinions on this class, just give you a little standings. Where where we stand right now compared to everybody else if it ended right this second. Okay, and it won't because this will extend all the way into February. West Virginia nationally right now on this recruiting class is ranked 39th in the country. It is good enough for 5th in the Big 12 Conference behind Oklahoma State, TCU, Oklahoma, and Texas. And if just anybody was curious at all, the highest class that Dana Holgerson ever had in his eight years at West Virginia was 2013 when he ranked 30th in the country and 4th in the Big 12. By the time this is all said and done, guys, Neil Brown is going to come close to that in the very first try on a short recruiting cycle because he was late getting this job. Unbelievable what he has put together in a shortened recruiting span. If I'm not mistaken, one of Neil Brown's biggest beast from most people, I think, including even questions from us here on the Blitz last year, was can he recruit? Yeah. So I think he's doing a good job uh, early it's, on. So we'll, we'll see how it's a very out. good start. <laughs> it is a very good start. And I think I warned people uh, just last week on the show if the numbers aren't what you're expecting this year, I, I didn't think this year was going to be a real good judge because of the shortened period, even though he is exceeding my expectations. Next year, guys, 2021 has the possibilities of being a very big year because just the talent that you have in the state of West Virginia next year. Your one, two, and three players in the state for the 2021 class is a five-star, a four-star, and a four-star. If he can continue to recruit the state the way he did this year, it's going to be a very special class. So way too early to think of that. Neil Waldeck, I'll start with you. Your thoughts so far on this 2020 recruiting class for Neil Brown. Anybody that stands out to you, any thoughts at all on it? Well, yeah, I mean, there's several uh, players that stand out, one of those uh, being Akeem Mesador. I believe this guy is going to come right away and make an impact on defense. I think this guy has got some talent there. They say uh, Akeem is is going to be a, a game changer at WVU, and I believe that is true. So that is one guy I'm really high on. But I think all the recruits are, are fitting where Neil Brown needs uh, those recruits at. He's got them in place. I mean, if I was grading him right now, I would have given him a B plus. I think he's that good. Got a good talent of uh, coming in, uh, and uh, he's recruiting well. I think these a lot of these guys are um, they like him. They like Neil Brown. And the other thing I like to see, uh, we got two uh, recruits coming out of New Jersey with Greg mm. Chiano taking yeah. over Rutgers. I'm a little shocked 
and 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 they could have easily went to Greg Schiano. You, uh, I believe we talked about one of those players uh, that uh, maybe thought, but he stuck uh, with us, and I think that that says a lot about Neil Brown and his recruiting uh, techniques as well. So I like so far what we've got coming in. Kelly Gamble. I like that he addressed the most important need, and that's offensive line. Yeah. We've got the, the offensive beef. linemen that look to be athletic and big. So uh, <laughs> to me, that was the most important thing that we had to have. We're getting that. And also, again, two big defensive ends. Uh, I think that the offensive line and then your defensive line is always going to be the, the main part of your team. You can't have a, a football team without an offensive and defensive line. So I think he's addressing the needs that we that we have, and uh, we got some skilled players coming back. So with those linemen, uh, it looks to me like he's doing an excellent job, and I'm I'm very happy, and I agree with the B plus. Uh, you know, five five linemen, two two JUCO JUCO guys that should be able to help immediately, and then you get uh, guys that you're going to build build. They're going to fill depth hopefully next year, and, and you just develop them. Throughout the process, uh, Aaron Host going to you. Your thoughts, 2020 recruiting class, West Virginia football after early signing day. It has definitely exceeded my expectations. Just hearing the hype from all these kids that we got this year, uh, just kind of caveat of what Kelly said, the amount of size that we got on both sides of the ball is, is tremendous. That's something that I think and feel that has hampered West Virginia in years past. When we go up against the bigger teams, you saw it when we went up against Missouri this mm-hmm. year. We did not have the offensive lineman size to match their defensive lineman size and vice versa. We didn't have the defensive lineman size to match up with their offensive lineman size. So I think it's something going forward when we go up against the bigger teams like Oklahoma, Texas, it's something that could turn the table. And I think it's something we'll need to definitely turn the table going up against Oklahoma in years to come. Recruiting, recruiting in state, uh, he made that a statement. Mark, even in his introductory press conferences, he wants the in-state talent to stay in state, and you can see that he is doing that. So I think Neil Brown is exceeding expectations on a shortened 2020 class, getting all these recruits, and it just goes to show you that he is not going to rely off of JUCO transfers. He's going to rely on more recruiting, getting those four-year guys to come in. Not a guy that you only see for two years and then you gotta replace him again. The JUCO, the JUCOs at West Virginia University are, are always going to be there. Uh, don't get me wrong; they're always going to be there. You're going to have to. But we became too dependent on mm-hmm. him in, in the Dana Holgerson era. It was almost like Dana felt, "Oh, I don't need to recruit guys because I just plug in the JUCO and transfers, and we'll roll with that." But then you end up in a situation that you were in this year, that there the junior college players didn't come trickling in, and all of a sudden it's like, who do we have to actually block for our talent? And I think that's what you're up against this year. Now, guys, as of right now, as of the recording of the show, we mentioned this earlier, There have been 16 players now that have signed a letter of intent. There are two players that have verbally committed that have not signed and submitted their letter of intent yet. That does not mean they're not coming. That means they just have not signed the letter of intent yet. Those two are junior college players. Jacob Gamble, he is another offensive lineman, 6'6", 3'10", out of Iowa Western Community College, and Kay Mays out of Northwest Mississippi Community College, defensive tackle, 6'1", 290. So we'll have to wait and see how those guys shake out. Now, guys, a couple more players entering the transfer portal. We got news last night. Josh Seals is in the portal. We got news. Martel Petaway. Offensive line, you could end up with six offensive linemen. We're, we're probably okay there. Plus, I've heard word there is a uh, guy in the transfer portal that is showing some interest in us from Florida. So that could work itself out. Is running back a, a matter of concern to you guys, knowing LeMay Constant backed out or we said we weren't interested anymore? Do you think with... Petaway gone, we need to go find a running back in this class. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Aaron Host? Well, I definitely think with uh, with us losing LeMay Constant and then Martel Petaway backing out, it, it may put Neil Brown back into a corner kind of um, 
it may put Neil Brown into a corner. Um, it may change his uh, how he looks at how he's going to have to get a, a running back. He's going to have even a shorter amount of time to go at a running back when the final signing class is finalized in February. So would there be a possibility, I ask you, Chris, that we go after LeMay again? I don't think so. I or think you. I think you've backed off LeMay Constant, and I think that Burn there's the there's some yeah there there's reasons why they backed off of him. Uh, whether that be his numbers were tremendously down uh, in his senior season of high school, I don't know if there was some academic issues or behavioral issues of some sort. But um, you know, I, I think if you do go after a running back, it's somebody different than constant. Neil Waldeck, your thoughts? Oh, I'm in agreement with all of you. I I do believe we need to add uh, some type of running back, whether it be a JUCO or a pure freshman. But we need depth there now. Uh, because you lost Petaway, so I think it'll be important to see what uh, Neil Brown uh, decides to go here. And guys, as we are speaking, we can add another name to the letter of intent signees today on National Signing Day. The early period, West Virginia has signed wide receiver Sam Brown. This kid was a Central Florida verbal commit. He has flipped. He has signed with West Virginia, another guy that was not verbally committed here at the beginning of the day. I do not have the latest numbers to see how that will impact this class, but another wide receiver, the third in this class, Sam Brown, New Hampstead High School out of Bloomingdale, Georgia. Uh, Georgia has became a hotbed, guys. We're seeing Florida. Neil, you already said it. New Jersey has a presence in this class. The state of West Virginia, breaking it down by state, four from Florida, two from Maryland, two from Jersey, two from Ohio, two from West Virginia, one from Alabama, now two from Georgia, one from Kentucky, one from Michigan, and one from Missouri. You're hearing some states that you haven't heard for a while pop back up into that recruiting class. What a new coaching staff does. Yeah, brings in a whole new pipeline. Getting that South Florida pipeline back open, very important. Guys, we're up against another break. When we come back, we'll talk bowl games. And if we get any more signees to come through while we're on the air, we will let you know, okay? Stay tuned. You're listening to The Blitz. It is early national signing day, and we're also simulcast on the Sports Roundtable podcast. And welcome back, everybody. Oh, Neil. <laughs> All right, it is the Neil Waldeck song of the week. And I guess apparently Neil lost his two front teeth. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's not uh, exactly what I'm going at here. All I want for Christmas. Okay. What would you like next season for Christmas for the Mountaineers? Oh, I can't wait to hear this. Neil, what do you want from the Mountaineer football team next year? I would just like maybe a, a, a winning season. Five, okay. If we could go 500. You just want a bowl game. I would. Kelly, what do you want out of the Mountaineer football team next year for Christmas? Uh, we must have the same taste because I'd like to have that gift as well, a bowl game. Bowl game. Aaron Host probably wants the playoffs. I want... Drum roll, please. A bowl game and top four in the Big 12. Top four in the Big 12. Not unreal. Eight wins, then, is what he's wanting. I'm unsure. That might be asking a little too much for Santa. Hey, guys, I've got updated numbers on this recent signing day. It just continues to get better. Before the break, we talked about our new flipped recruit from the University of Central Florida. His name is Sam Brown out of New Hampstead, Bloomingdale, Georgia. 6-2-186. He is a three-star prospect that was originally verbally committed to Central Florida. Brings our national recruiting rank right now up to 37th in the country. We have passed Oklahoma State to take over the fourth spot in the Big 12 Conference and we got a lot of time before February. Already so tying Dana. He is tied for as high as Dana ever got. TCU, Oklahoma, and Texas, the only two teams in front of us right now. So it'll be very hard to overtake 
Oklahoma and Texas. But oh, I, yeah. I think you could get to tech TCU for sure. Guys, it is my favorite time of the year. And we need to start picking bowl games. I love bowl season. Of course, the bowl games will kick off this uh, Friday afternoon. It is the Makers 1 at Bahamas Bowl. Before we get into the picks here, I forgot. We got to update everybody on our standings, don't we? And at the moment, um, myself has a two-game lead over Neil Waldeck, a three-game lead over Aaron Host, an 11-game lead over Kelly Gamble. As we finish off the season, uh, the winner gets to choose where the other ones are buying them dinner from this year. I'm excited about that. I'm not going to start to brag, though. I'm not going to start to brag I don't think anybody quite should. yet. Nobody, Aaron says nobody should brag. He knows better now. He knows better now. All right, guys, let's get this started. Like I said, Friday at uh, 2 p.m. on ESPN Live from the Bahamas. We can all gather around the TV and get jealous about spending Christmas in the Bahamas while we're stuck here in the wet and the cold and everything else. We have two teams that are looking for their first ever bowl win. This is Buffalo's third appearance in a bowl game. They've actually made it to two straight but have never won a postseason game. Charlotte is making it to a bowl game for the very first time as they've made the transition from FCS to FBS. Buffalo, Charlotte, Kelly, Gamble, we'll let you go first since you're in last place. Buffalo gets their first win. They have more experience, and they pick up their first bowl win. Let's go to Aaron Host. Buffalo. And Neil Waldeck. Yeah, I like Buffalo in this matchup as well. Hey, tell you what, guys. Buffalo, man. Buffalo. What's up with Buffalo. How many times did they make it to the Super Bowl in the 90s? They lost four straight. They lost four straight. Buffalo's lost three bowl games, still hasn't won one. Uh, No team is also having more fun winning. Uh, Charlotte is known for their post-game celebrations in their locker room. That includes disco balls, strobe lights, and a live DJ. They will be partying it up in the Bahamas. I'm going to go Charlotte's to win the first bowl game of the year. Also on Friday, we have the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl live from Frisco, Texas. If you don't like bowl games, folks, just tune in because of the names. This has a very fun name. Utah State setting at 7-5. and five. Kent State at 6-6. Six and six. Aaron Host, I'm going to you first. I'm going to go with Kent State on this one. Kent State. Neil Waldeck. I like Utah State in this matchup. Uh, maybe they'll have a smoothie after their win. <laughs> Kelly Campbell. Utah Ke- State. Utah State as well. Hey, Kent State, just to make a bowl game, guys, get this. They have also only this is their third bowl game in school history. couple great quarterbacks playing in this game. Jordan Love at Utah State and Dustin Crum at Kent State. A win would give Utah State back-to-back seasons with at least eight wins for just the third time in the past 45 years. They'll get that done. I'm going Utah State. Moving right right along into Saturday down to the New Mexico Bowl, we got Central Michigan taking on San Diego State. Neil Waldeck, I go to you first. I like San Diego State in this matchup. I think they uh, knock off Central Michigan in the uh, New Mexico Bowl. Kelly Gamble. I agree. San Diego State. Aaron Host. San Diego State. All right. Good running game, good defensive game. Expect a low point total in this one. I will go with San Diego State as well. Moving on to the Cure Bowl, Orlando, Florida, Saturday at 2.30, the F. BC Mortgage Cure Bowl as Liberty in their first year of eligibility to make a bowl game, making the transition from FCS to FBS, has made it under head coach Hugh Freeze, who coached at Mississippi, will take on Georgia Southern. Kelly Gamble. Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern. Aaron Host. Georgia Southern. And Neil Waldeck. I like Georgia Southern in this matchup as well. Okay. The Eagles, Georgia Southern, 
Uh, rebounded from a 1-3 and three start to make it to a bowl game this year. I think they keep that winning trend going and win the FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl. Guys, last year we had a big debate over what a Cherry Bundy was, and we found out that it is a drink. The Cherry Bundy Boca Raton Bowl 3.30 ABC on Saturday features a very good game between the 10-2 SMU Mustangs and the 10-3 Florida Atlantic Owls. Keep in mind, Florida Atlantic will be without head coach Lane Kiffin as he has moved on to Mississippi. Let's go to Aaron Host. I think FAU is going to come out uh, firing since they lost their head coach. I think they're going to come out with a win. Neil Waldeck. Uh, I'm a big fan of SMU. I think they uh, come away with a win. Kelly Gamble? SMU. Hey, I'll tell you what. A lot of teams going to be playing without their coach. A lot of teams won't necessarily want to be in a bowl game. And I've told everybody before, it's not necessarily who's the better team. It is who wants to be there. Now, in the case of Florida Atlantic, I think they do want to be there. I think they want to go and prove that it just wasn't the coach, that they got a lot of good players. I'm going to go Florida Atlantic in the Cherry Bundy Boca Raton Bowl. Also on Saturday, 5.30, it is the Camellia Bowl from Montgomery, Alabama. This game's on ESPN and features Florida International. They come in at 6-6 against Arkansas State. Neil Waldeck. I'm going with Florida International in this matchup. I think they uh, squeak out a win over Arkansas State. Kelly Gamble. Arkansas State. And Aaron Host. Going with Arkansas State. Arkansas State. So Neil is disagreeing with us a good bit. I like the Red Wolves from Arkansas State as well. Their season started on the lowest possible note, but got it all turned around, and now they are setting in a bowl game. Guys, the the game that I think has the most interesting storyline of any bowl out there this year, the Las Vegas Bowl, the Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl, 730 on ABC. It's a great game between the 19th-rated Boise State Broncos and the 7-5 Washington Huskies. Washington Huskies head coach Chris Peterson has stepped down. This will be his final game as the head coach of Washington. And guys, who did he make famous? He was the head coach at Boise State through all those wins in the big bowl games and when they were competing to get into BCS Bowls. Remarkable storyline. Can Chris Peterson pull out a win against the team that he pretty much made famous, Kelly Gamble? Yes. Washington pulls out the win in his last game. Aaron Host. I think Boise State's going to win it. Neil Waldeck. I like the Huskies. Always trust a coach that's going out on a high note. I think Chris Peterson pulls off the win against his old team. Finally, we've got the RNL Carriers Bowl in New Orleans on Saturday. This will start at 9 o'clock. Appalachian State, 12 and 1, taking on the UAB Blazers. UAB is on a heck of a run. Just three years ago, they weren't even a football program anymore, and they've made it to back-to-back bowl games. Can they get a win? Aaron Host. I'm actually going with App State. Neil Waldeck. I like the Mountaineers in this one. Never can go against the Mountaineers, right? <laughs> Kelly Campbell. I'll take the Mountaineers in a bowl game this year, and that's, I'll take Appy State. Hey, Zach Thomas and Darrington Evans is a duo to watch for Appalachian State. This is probably, to me, one of the biggest mismatches of the bowl season. I think Appalachian State blows them out. You can go to bed at halftime because you're going to be up late anyway at a 9 o'clock kickoff. Guys, we got a few more bowls to uh, pick. Um, Stay tuned here to the Blitz. We'll be back. We're also simulcast on the Sports Roundtable podcast. And welcome back, everybody. It is the Blitz. It is the beginning of bowl season as our competition to see who knows more about college football right here in our studio begins on Friday afternoon at the Makers Won It Bahamas Bowl. Picking every single bowl game for you this year here on the Blitz and Sports Roundtable 
podcast. And since we're talking about the podcast real quick, I want to send a shout out to the places in the world that are listening to us. Of course, our listeners in Morgantown and Kingwood. Also, that proud group in Mountain View, California that has been tuning in each and every week. Thank you so much. Also in San Jose, California, Ashburn, Virginia, Concord, North Carolina, and Masontown, Pennsylvania as well. Thank you so much for listening to the Sports Roundtable podcast. We are picking bowl games, guys, and let's get right back into it. Monday, December the 23rd, the best name out of any bowl game, the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl in St. Pete, Florida. Any ideas why they call it the Gasparilla Bowl? Anybody? Anybody? Do not. Lawnmowers run off of gas? No, no. It has nothing to do with a lawnmower. Gasparilla was the name of a pirate that supposedly invaded St. Pete's back in the day. Bad Boy Mowers, just the sponsor they're the ones shilling out the money very interesting matchup for our sisters to the west that would be marcia 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 i'm sorry if i offend anybody but marshall is that better better okay uh they're taking on central florida Central Florida 9-3 and three on the year. Marshall 8-4. and four. Ready for everybody's thoughts on Marsha and Central Florida. Start with Aaron Host. I'm going to go with Central Florida. I think they had a down year from their hot streak that started at the beginning of the year. Well, it started two years ago, but I think UCF's going to go out with a win. Okay. Neil Waldeck. You would think I'd take Thundering Her, didn't you? But I'm going with Central Florida in this matchup. Hmm. Kelly Gamble. Central Florida in a blowout. Guys, nobody listens to me, do they? Nobody listens to me. Guys, it's not about the best teams when you're picking bowl games. It's about who wants to be there. Do you think that Central Florida, after spending two years in the New Year's Six on the big stage of those big games, wants any part of going to St. Petersburg, Florida, which is about a 45-minute car ride from where they are in Orlando, and play at 2.30 in the afternoon on a Monday, they do not care about this game whatsoever. They do not want to be there. And Doc Holliday and Marsha get a big bowl win. To, to, they'll, they'll be rubbing it in on social media. Well, we won a bowl game. We won bowl game. Mountaineers can't even make it to one. Marshall pulls out the upset. I'm sorry, again, if I offended anybody for my Marsha comments. Tuesday, December the 24th, Christmas Eve in Hawaii, everybody. It's the SoFi Hawaii Bowl. Hawaii gets to play in their home stadium against BYU. Neil Waldeck. Well, you want to be there, right? And I think Hawaii wants to be there in front of their home crowd. I take the rainbow in this matchup. Kelly. I was hoping that I'd be the only one, but I'm taking Hawaii as well. Aaron Host? I'm going to have to go with Hawaii. Uh, a lot of homecomings. Uh, a lot of Hawaiian-born players play at BYU. A little bit of a homecoming game for them. Hawaii, again, playing in their home stadium. Who cares? We're not getting a trip anywhere. Going to go BYU in an upset over Hawaii. Moving on to Thursday, day after Christmas, unwind a little bit with two bowl games. You got the Walk One Independence Bowl, four o'clock from Shreveport, Louisiana, as the nine and three Skip Holtz led Louisiana Tech team takes on probably one of the biggest disappointments of the year in a six and six Miami team that gave Florida a game, first game of the year. Uh, Kelly Gamble, I'll go to you first. Louisiana Tech, Miami. And I debated on this one for a while, but uh, I just think that uh, you know Miami has the better, even though the ACC's weak. I'm taking Miami. Uh, Aaron Host. This is Louisiana Tech Super Bowl. They're yep. they're they're going to be ready for this game. They know Miami's a decent uh, FBS caliber uh, players on their team, so I think Louisiana Tech's going to come out with a win. Neil Waldeck. I think Miami has just enough talent to squeak by this and get a win. These guys, they don't listen to me. They don't listen to me, Aaron Hose. That's why it's going to be me or you picking the dinner. My goodness. 
Let's guys, let's think about it. Miami six and six. They're playing in Shreveport, Louisiana, the day after Christmas. Here's the scary stat for Miami fans. You ready for this? The Bulldogs have won bowls in five consecutive seasons, and a sixth in a row would give them their first 10-win season at the FBS level all time. First 10-win season under Coach Skip Holtz. Miami is 1-9 and nine in their last 10 bowl appearances. Anybody want to take a crack at who that was? The Mountaineers. The Mountaineers. Louisiana Tech wins the game led by Skippy Holtz. Moving on also on Christmas, uh, the day after Christmas, it is the Quick Lane Bowl between our other friends to the north, <laughs> old Pittsburgh. <laughs> They're seven and five on the year, taking on the homestanding Eastern Michigan. I don't even know what Eastern Michigan is. Uh, what are they? Chippewas, I, I believe in it. That's Central Michigan. That's Central Michigan. <laughs> Eastern uh, Michigan never makes a bowl game. We never talk about them. I don't know. I don't know. Let's pick the game. Pittsburgh, Eastern Michigan, eight o'clock, December twenty-sixth. Neil Walde. I like Pitt Panthers in this one, so I'm gonna. Say they come up with a win. Okay. You choose to pick Panthers. Kelly. You don't like I'm taking Pitt. Everybody's going to take Pitt. Aaron Host? It hurts me. It, it, hurts. Hurts. it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. I'm not even going to say it. You know it. Yeah, Pitt. Pitt. No, I'm going gonna, gonna to go with the Panthers as well. <laughs> Narduzzi gets them ready for a game against a team we don't even know the name of. So, congratulations, Pittsburgh. Congratulations, Marsha. Guys, we got to go. It's been fun. Uh, Aaron Host, um, he's going to be checking out, so he'll going to be leaving his rest of his picks. He'll be sun shining, nice weather for the Christmas holiday. Hey, we want to mention, though, tell everyone a Merry Christmas. Oh, yes, thanks, Neil. See him Go ahead. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Chris, Aaron, <laughs> Kelly. You guys have a good one, and all those out there listening, Merry Christmas. Hey, you know, Neil, we usually um, go on the day after Christmas, uh, and, and we're going to be doing that again this year. Right. Make sure you tune in. We will be back on the air with the Blitz, 6 o'clock, Thursday, December the 26th. Um, it, Neil always has us in here doing the show after Christmas. I mean, I come in, I'm, I'm bloated from all the turkey, <laughs> and Neil will always wear this ugly sweater that somebody got him from Christmas. I don't know about Kelly yet. Um, what his thing will be for the day after Christmas show? Uh, well, last year on the twenty sixth, I killed a buck. I went up. I went bow hunting. I remember that we did the show again. You came in and you still had your hunting stuff on. Yeah. You smelled like dead deer and everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, we got to go. I look like. Aaron's going to be wearing his Hawaiian shirt. Oh, no, toes are, you ever listen to per- Zach Peruvian. Brown's song "Toes"? <laughs> yeah. That's where my toes are going to be in the sand. <laughs> Guys, we're all out of time. we got to go. We'll pick the rest, and uh, we'll pick some more of the Bulls next week. We'll update you on the standings as well. Thanks for listening. This is the Blitz and the Sports Roundtable Podcast.